thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. So uh, I do want to say a... uh, he won't be watching online. By the way, hello everyone that is watching online. I checked in and a few people, a few people were. But I do want to uh, thank a good friend of mine who leads Christians Against Poverty in America, Simon Wills, who brought this uh, particular story of the Bible, or this concept in the Bible, to life for me a few years ago. It's absolutely stuck with me as what I believe God wants us to be as church and be as his people. So... Um, <sighs> I promise I'm not saying this just to try and present some kind of macho, manly thing, because anyone who knows me knows that that really isn't me. But I do like chopping wood, okay? Um, and uh, we have some woods at the back of our garden. And uh, until I realized that actually it takes forever to get it to a point where you can burn it, I used to like going out and chopping it, but now it's, and it's all being banned, so you've got to buy proper, properly dried wood. So I'm not going to have too much use for this, but I do like going out and chopping wood. And... Um, Say, for example, this is really heavy. I can't can't believe I haven't used to manage to use this just two years ago. Um, Say say I'm out chopping um, some wood. You know, it's a bit of a dangerous thing, especially if I've got a chainsaw out or whatever. And, I mean, this is a log splitter, okay? If you're thinking that's not a very sharp axe, it's a log splitter. Make sure I don't break the floor before we bought it. Um, And uh, say I was out doing it, and for whatever reason, as I was splitting it, I was out with my mate Dave, and Dave was helping me, because Dave's a very helpful guy like that. And for whatever reason, I lose control of it. The axe flies. (laughs) I lose control of it and smack. It lands right in the middle of Dave Parkinson's head. And uh, no matter how hard and protected he is, Dave falls to the floor. It is a fatal blow. So I don't know what you would do in that situation. Um, (laughs) For those watching online, Wendy says she's just checking the insurance policies. That was a bit too near the surface, to be fair, Wendy. And uh, if that had happened, um, I don't think any of you would, like, literally leg it. You'd, like, run away. It's just like, what have I done? I am legging it. I am out of here. You would probably be like, oh, no. You'd get on the phone, you'd call an ambulance quite away. If you knew anything about first aid, you'd do something to try and fix it. What you wouldn't do is you wouldn't leg it, okay? Unless you were an ancient Israelite living around 4,000 years ago, in which case it would be really, really understandable that you would leg it because you're living in a culture that is under some laws that basically say it is an eye for an eye, it's a limb for a limb, and it's life for life. That is what you're living under. You've just taken a life, and actually, under the law, Wendy, who I am scared of, um, you know, but probably more importantly, Dave's three sons, who've probably got more chance of catching me, to be fair, um, kind of would be, they would be after me, they would be kind of like out to get me because it's eye for an eye, it's limb for a limb, and it's life for life. Which you kind of think, but hang on a minute, this was a total accident. It was an accident, so, so wh- why should I be put under that particular law? It wasn't even my fault that I took his life. I love Dave, he's a great guy. I mean, he's my 
home church leader, so you know, why would I do that to him? Um, but, but that was just kind of the way it was. The blood was on my hands, and the blood could be avenged by the, 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 the family of the person who had, who had died. And, uh, well, the good news is that we read in the Old Testament that God had even thought about moments like this when this happens, when you accidentally take the life of someone, which I realize probably doesn't happen too much nowadays, you know, but it can happen, and it absolutely did happen, that in the middle of what was really kind of quite a, a barbaric people, again, we struggle to understand it, we see God introducing laws of grace and mercy that really kind of foreshadow the coming of Jesus and start to give us a glimpse into this gracious, merciful God that we've been singing about this morning. And God created a concept called the city of refuge. The city of refuge. You can read about it in different places. You can read about it in um, Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you're new to church, that's a, a book in the Old Testament part of the Bible. You can read about it in Deuteronomy 19. You can read about it as well in, in Numbers 35. That's also a book with words in. Don't be confused by the name, Numbers. Um, it's words. Um, you can read it in Numbers 35. And, and then we actually see in the Bible that when God's then sent Joshua to kind of really reclaim the promised land, he, he created, uh, he called on Joshua to basically reestablish this concept. And uh, that's where I'm going to read it from. Uh, so if you've got a, a Bible with you or on your phone and you'd like to read it, you can turn to Joshua chapter 20, whilst I just grab a quick drink of water. It says, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. So he's referring back to the Deuteronomy and the Numbers moments. That's where he spoke it to Moses, and now he's speaking to Joshua to get this back in place. So that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from Wendy Parkinson. <laughs> it doesn't actually say that. I've just put that bit in. From the Avenger of Blood. <laughs> the Avenger of Blood. <laughs> coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> when they flee to one of these cities, they're to stand in the entrance of the city gate, state their case before the elders of that city. Then the elders are to admit the fugitive into their city and provide a place to live among them. If the avenger of blood comes in pursuit... The elders must not surrender the fugitive because the fugitive killed their neighbor unintentionally and without malice aforethought. They are to stay in that city until they've stood trial before the assembly. I guess they're going to actually decide they really deserve to be here. And until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time, then they may go back to their own home in the town from which they fled. So, you kill someone accidentally. There are these cities. There initially, there were three, then there became six. Cities of refuge, where if you accidentally took a life, you could flee to this city, bang on the city gates, and go, they're after me. 
please give me refuge. I didn't mean to do it, but under the law, they could take my life. And God is to say, you are to take that person in, welcome them, give them a place of refuge, and then all will be well with them. It's hard for us to get our head around this. It's even hard for us to get our head around the whole eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. But even that, uh, we hear it. We often hear it through the words of Jesus, who we know kind of went, took it to a whole new level. The whole concept of eye for an eye was actually, it, it, was, it was really progressive justice at the time. It used to be, if you took someone's eye, well, you could just go along and kill them if you wanted to. And God was effectively saying, no, hang on a minute. Let's at least make the punishment fit the crime. Don't go over the top. It was really God starting to take them on a journey to the grace and mercy he wanted them to find, which he would eventually reveal in its fullness in Jesus. But this city of refuge, it was a special place. It was a place of rescue. It was a place of forgiveness, a place of sanctuary, a place of new life, and a place of clean sheets. Not talking hotel sheets, but that would be nice as well. A place of clean sheets. This is a really practical working out of what we see throughout the scriptures, both old and new. We, we, if you've been around church some time, if you've been following God for some time and loving Jesus, then you, you will recognize some of these verses that we, we, often, we often sing them in songs or, or, or they come out in devotionals. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. This is part of the message of who God is, that he is a God that we run to for safety and for strength to surround us. Psalm 9.9 says, The Lord is a refuge For the oppressed, so the first one talks about the righteous. The next one talks about the oppressed. He is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold. In other words, a safe, secure place in times of trouble. And then Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress. And And when you hear that word fortress, the people of Israel would have thought of these cities of refuge that were put in place and established that, that, that God and, and God's people might be a place of deliverance. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. They understood and we understand that God, our God, is to be a refuge, a fortress, a protector, a safe place. And this city of refuge concept was a brilliant foreshadowing of what Jesus was coming to do. And when I talk about it being a foreshadow, I'm using biblical language there because the New Testament tells us that the old was a shadow of what was to come. And when I think about this, I kind of think of Jesus stood up in the New Testament with the sun shining on him and his shadow falling into the Old Testament. And if you think about a shadow, so if I was to stand here and you could see my shadow, you would get an idea 
of what I looked like. You would get an idea of roughly my size and my shape. You couldn't see the detail. You couldn't see the amazing beauty with which God has created me. (laughs) But you would get an idea. You would get a sense of the shape. Hebrews 10, chapter 1 says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So we see something of the shape of God and his love and his mercy in the law. But it says, there's not the realities themselves. And Colossians 2.17 says, these things, he was referring to a bunch of things which I won't go into, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. He was talking about some of the old kind of laws. There's a shadow of things to come. The reality, the brilliance, the beauty and all its technicolor is found. I just added those bits in, by the way. The reality is found in Christ. Amen. And what was just a shadow in the city of refuge? So if you think about it, city of refuge, I mean, it sounds great. As long as A, you've actually killed someone, and B, it definitely wasn't your fault. That was the only thing the city of refuge was to be for, really. And so if it was your fault... You're stuffed. You've got Wendy and her boys chasing you for the rest of your life until they get there, till they, they, they avenge the blood, <laughs> the avengers of blood. And this is what we see. The amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus came to be the ultimate city of refuge. Where actually, he says, even if you're not innocent, even if you're meant to kill Dave. Yeah. Even if you, even if you, you know that you, you, you're actually you, you are guilty of that, that sin in your past, if you know that you've let yourself down, if you know you've let God down, you've let your family down, if you know that you fell so far short of God's glorious standard of living a life of love and generosity and compassion, you know that you are guilty. And, and, and no matter what you have done, Jesus is the ultimate city of refuge where when you turn up, the good news is you don't have to stand outside and bang on the door and hope that the elders agree to let you in. Because on behalf of the elders, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, because Jesus says that you are welcome. He came to be the ultimate city of refuge where we would be able to step into him and be saved and be safe. Yes, Jane. (laughs) All owl impressions are allowed. (laughs) That was a good owl. Amen. And did you notice? I don't know if you noticed this when I read out the instructions to Joshua. Um, It says there, these people there to stay in the city until they've stood trial, and until the death of the high priest. At which point, they may go back to their own home. Presumably, the avengers of blood cannot touch them anymore. They are to go back to their hometown from which they fled. When? When the high priest died who is our ultimate high priest. 
who has died and has risen again, which means that we don't need to stay slightly frightened in the city of refuge, hoping that no one's coming to get us, but we are set free to go and live the life that he has called us to live. Again, the beautiful foreshadowing of the total and complete freedom that Jesus had planned for us. And then we know, well, in the build-up to him laying his life down and in the post-resurrection days, Jesus establishes his ecclesia, his gathering, his assembly, his new assembly of avengers, no longer blood avengers, his assembled ones, and basically was like, right, I am the ultimate city of refuge. You, my people, go and finish what I have started. Be my city of refuge here on earth. Go for it. Live out these prophetic words of Isaiah. Isaiah 25, 4 says this, and it speaks it of God, but I believe it is a word to us as his ecclesia, as his church, as his gathered ones. He says, for you have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in their distress, a refuge from the storm and a shade from the heat. This is who our God is, and this is who we are trying our best to be as a church. A people who will be a defense for the helpless, for the needy in their distress, and a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. When I read those words, when I think about what Jesus has come to establish this city of refuge. And when I talk about a city of refuge, and I'm going to come back after the baptism to talk a bit about how this building can be a city of refuge, you know it's never going to be about the building. It's about you, and it's about your life, and it's about your family, and it's about your household, and it's about your home church. Every single one of us called in whatever creative way God calls us to be to somehow create a space of refuge in our lives, that in our lives we might be the defense for the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm and a shade from the heat of this life that batters us so much. And in some ways, I don't know about you, but it kind of feels like as church, we're almost starting again, doesn't it? Coming back out of COVID. I don't know, for some people it'd be like, is this the church for me? I tell you what, if you have a heart to build a city of refuge, to be part of a city of refuge, to be and to provide refuge from the storm and a shade from the heat, then basically we can't afford for anyone to be part of this church unless you want that to be your heart. Because I ain't going to stop going on about it. This is the heart that we started with 13 years ago, and it's the heart that God is reestablishing in us, making stronger week by week. 
And as you're here, as I hand over now, Craig and Joe, they needed a refuge from the storm. They needed some shade from the heat. They needed a family of disciples that would come alongside them and disciple them. And I just want to say right off the top, I'm so proud of our church family. And I'm especially proud of what we've created in Food Bank as well, but also the love and support that some of our leaders like Tarzan and Steve and Josie and others have just poured into these guys. That is living out the vision of this church. And so as we celebrate them, as we celebrate them, we celebrate the fact that they have found a place of healing, a place of forgiveness, and a city of refuge. Importantly, found in Jesus, but found in Jesus as expressed through his people, his church. Amen. If you're here for the next few weeks, you're going to hear me talk about giving quite a bit uh, because God has an amazing opportunity for us to buy this building. It is a time-limited opportunity. So all I'm going to do now is kind of, you know, when you get to the end of an episode on a Netflix series and they show you a little bit of what's to come next week, I'm just going to give you a little bit because I know some of you won't be back next week. <laughs> and uh, so I'd like everyone to uh, kind of grab hold of one of, one of these, or one per family will be fine, um, and I'm going to speak to it. That's quite a big lot of you over here, isn't there? And uh, we've talked, or I talked a few weeks back about the fact that as we seek to buy this building, uh, can you guys at the back make sure you get, get one as well, if we can make sure they, they all get around. But as we buy this building, we're not buying this building to be a temple where the tools of God come and meet. We are buying this building to be a tool where his temples of the Holy Spirit come together to create that city of refuge that we've been talking about today. And uh, listen, you all, well, those of you that know me, know me well enough to know that this is not about a building. This has to be about flesh and blood. The city of refuge has to be the people of God welcoming in those fleeing the life and the mistakes in the past and coming together to find that forgiveness. And, uh, yeah. If you think, though, about how this building will be like a city of refuge, and that could be a Sunday morning as you come as refuge from the terrible week that you've had and you just need some time with God and with God's people to get everything back in perspective. It may be refuge from the life that you've been living and what you know has been walking away from God and coming back to God. It might be refuge from a world that tells you that you have nothing to offer where you need to come into the presence of a God who tells you you have everything to offer. And so... Whatever else happens when we get this building, it is going to be a place of refuge where a people of refuge gather and create opportunities for people to come together and be safe. So I'm going to talk about this a lot more over the next two weeks. Uh, please don't mean that means you don't turn up, okay? 
because I know where you all live. And, uh, and I've got a very big axe. And, uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, one of the things, and I just said this to someone at the back, as I look around this church family, I love it that we are probably one of the most diverse groups of people that we'll ever meet in the city of Bradford in terms of economically, racially, background, all of that stuff. We are a brilliantly beautiful, diverse group of people. And so when it comes to giving, which, listen, if you are part of this church family, we need you to play your part. We need you to be one of the bricks in the wall that I've just passed out to you. And for some people, you may not be able to give very much. And you need to know that as I read my Bible, whatever little you give is just as valuable, if not at times more valuable, than what the richest person in the room can give. But I'm also, I tell you what, I'm already inspired. I'm inspired because, you know what, the first two gifts of people that have instantly given, despite the fact I've said, we're having a giving day on the 17th of October, don't give yet, couldn't help themselves. Two people are given a £1,000 gift, both of whom, I have to say, if you'd asked me to put a bet, which obviously I wouldn't do, <laughs> as to whether there was any chance they had £1,000 actually in their ownership, never mind to give, I would totally have said, no way. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, I remember when I first heard the first one and Josie shared it with me, it was just a bit like, oh God, this is the first fruits of what God is going to do so that we as a family and we as a community can buy this building and keep it serving the kingdom of God and keep doing everything that God has got us doing. But I'm also really, really blessed, particularly our food bank team, many of whom are kind of struggling to find jobs, serving here on benefits, on disability. And the fact that between them, they're just like, we can't give much, but we can do something. And this decision they've done to do a three-day fast, which Josie in her brilliance is... Uh, don't call me brilliant. Okay, <laughs> Josie in her mediocrity... Um, <laughs> has basically taken and put it out to the city at large and said, this is what our people are doing. They're going three days without food, many of whom experienced going without food because they came to Food Bank in the first place. And already we have seen thousands of pounds of generosity from the city of Bradford because you guys have gone, we're going to do what we can do, which is absolutely amazing. And I just praise God for that. It is absolutely fantastic. And all I want you to do, can I just grab that? Is that okay. This is just a visual, um, which I paid a graphic designer a lot of money to do this for me. <laughs> I'm just not very good. Well, I am quite good when it comes to marketing, but it's just a bit like, you know what? I'm not going to market you into giving money to this. I'm going to let God's spirit do the work that he needs to do. And this shows us that some of us who can stretch a long way, need to stretch a long way. 
Because this is the makeup of our church, and there will be some people who can do that, who can stretch into the thousands. If you're earning a reasonable income or you've got money in savings, then as you're praying, of course you've got to follow God's spirit, but we need to be thinking thousands. If we are to get the money for the deposit, which we need to get by the end of October, CAP have been so kind and gracious and patient in letting us have the time that we need to gather back together and then begin to kind of give this money. But they have another buyer waiting if we can't get there. That's not going to happen because we're going to do our bit. Maybe, maybe you, you, you don't have a, a big income coming in and you barely have, you know, you don't have a lot, but maybe you can stretch into a gift that is hundreds. And maybe there's some kids out there who can stretch a little bit as well. Young kids, youth. I know Rachel's got some ideas and some plans that she's going to do some fundraising, but on top of that, they can give as well. So that when we get to Sunday, the 17th of October, we'll have an opportunity next week as well, if you know you're going to be away, and all of that, that as a church together, we're going to come together with an extravagant outpouring of generosity so that we secure this facility so that everything he has for us to do to reach more Craigs and reach more Joes, we together are going to make possible. I'm going to be emailing a lot more information out to you this week, church. I wanted you to just take this so you've got a bit of an idea around what God needs us to do as a church to give. It's a £150,000 target, which is about half of what we need because we've almost got the other half in reserves and all other money that we've already raised, which is fantastic. Praise God for that. Yeah. And uh, for the next two weeks... I'm going to be unashamedly preaching on money and finance and how God wants us to use that to bring all of our lives in line with his. If we're going to be a family of disciples making disciples, we have to talk about money because it's the thing Jesus talked about more than anything else he talked about. He talked about money. And so we are going to express our love for him as we do this. So... I realize that feels like a bit of a segue from baptisms, but I tell you what, as we continue to use this pool over and over again, right here, it's because of this generosity that you lot and me and Josie and everyone and the whole leadership team are going to release to make this building being continuing to serve God and his purposes. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.